The Medallion, Chapter 35 Gavin is alive? Corvin grabbed Sark's paw and pulled so hard that the lizard sprawled across him. Sark pushed back to his feet. Breathing hard, he wiped the back of his paw across his eyes. When he tried to speak, only a few clicks came out. He nodded and swallowed as he pointed overhead. Up, room, over the cavern, like you saw. Corvin got to his knees on the sleeping mat. Is he hurt? Sark's voice grew stronger. No, prisoner, guard is outside the door. Corvin slammed his hand down on the mat and a puff of dust rose in the air. Why did that woman lie to me? She said Gavin was dead. So, so you will hate the Rakash and kill them. I won't do it. I won't help her poison the Rakash. But how do we get past them to rescue my father? Sark took a deep breath and concentrated but could not form the words. Corvin lifted the jar of Lumian juice from beside the bed and handed it to Sark. Here, this may help. Sark tasted it, then drained the jar. Juice dripped from the corners of his mouth as he nodded and his eyes brightened. Just as in Kadir, sewer tunnels run beneath Kate Elba. Many are now flooded, but there is one that can take us through to your father. Corvin rose stiffly to his feet. Then let's get Gavin. That is not a good idea. Gavin knows the way. My father gave him a map or something to help us rescue him. I saw it when I held the mirror glass. But if we rescue him, they will know where we have gone. We must not leave any trace behind. My mentor has shown me where to go and what to do. We do not need to take Gavin. What if they... My mentor will assist him to escape once we are gone. Corvin pushed to his feet. I don't like it, but if it's the only way to save my father... Yes, soon the lights will grow brighter and the people of the colony will come out. Zark scurried away, his claws clicking on the floor. The lizard led him on through darkened tunnels. A few times he glanced back and finally he stopped. Someone is following us. Zark crouched and peered back around the corner. It is the girl you rescued from the Rakash, but we will lose her up ahead. He hurried on and then stopped before the low entry into a fractured cavern, barely high enough to stand in. Be very careful in here, Zark said. This place used to fill with sewage, but now holes cover the floor and some are still filled with the dirty water. The sides have been worn smooth, and if you fall in, you cannot get out. The lizard's claw bobbed. You should give me the end of your crippen so I can guide you through. Corvin unraveled his rope and Sark laboriously fastened one end around his own waist and gave the control end to Corvin. You must tie it to yourself. If you fall into one of the holes, I will pull you back up. Sark was breathing hard as Corvin looped the rope around his own waist. His eyesight was good enough to pick up on the ledges, and the slipper shoes gripped firmly, letting him feel the thin ridges through the soles. Sarek, on the other hand, was wavering on the ridges, looking like he might fall off any minute. They were only halfway across the pits when Sarek tumbled off the edge. His claws scrabbled against the side as Corvin leaned back and held onto the rope. The crippen went taut, and Corvin manipulated the controls to swing Sarek back up to the lip. Sarek hauled himself back onto the ridge, his face flushed with exertion. Turning his back to Corvin, he moved on, slowly picking his way around the pits. Corvin followed with one eye on his feet, but the other on Sark. His friend was looking more ill all the time. He was about to suggest that he take the lead when Sark stopped, untied the rope from his waist, and handed the crippen back to Corvin. This is the right one. He pointed to where a funnel-shaped pit ended in a dark hole. My mentor says there is no water below. This one will take us to your father. Corvin inspected the hole. The sides sloped down like a funnel and disappeared into darkness. Are you sure? If there's water down there, we will drown or get stuck in... I trust my mentor. 
Zark stepped off the ledge. Throwing his short arms out to each side, he steered himself in a wide curve around the sides of the funnel and vanished into the hole at the bottom. Corvin waited in the silence. From up here, the hole appeared to be far too small for a human. Locking the twin ends of the crippen on the lip of the pit, he eased himself over the edge. His eyes were just about level with the floor when movement caught his eye. They hadn't lost the girl. Her silhouette was framed at the entry. He ducked out of sight. If she tried to follow them, she might drown in one of the pits full of water. Letting go of the lip, he lowered himself to the bottom. The tube opening was larger than it appeared from up top, but he could not see past the first tight corner. Straddling the hole, he coiled the crippen up and clipped it away. The sound of rapidly approaching feet up top startled him, and he let go and dropped in. The walls were incredibly smooth, and he quickly picked up speed, twisting and rolling as the two threw him through curves and valleys. A tight corkscrew slowed him down, then spun him out in a dizzy tangle. The only light was from the thick green slime on the floor, and just ahead, Zark was leaning against the wall, his eyes closed and his chest heaving. Corvin crawled toward him, and Sark opened his eyes as Corvin dropped beside him. Corvin pulled him close and let Sark's head rest in his lap. The lizard's dark eyes gazed up at him, reminding Corvin of the way his border collie gazed at him just before it died. Is it because you need more of the elixir that you can't speak to me? Corvin said. Sark nodded, and his eyes sagged shut. The leader of the colony told me where the pool with the liquid for the rakash is. Will that help you? Sark's head rolled slightly, and he looked down the tunnel and then back to Corvin. That's the way to my father? A small nod. I won't leave you here, Sark. I'll carry you. Sark tried to shake his head, but Corvin picked him up anyway. He wasn't as heavy as he expected. Either that or the Lumian medication from the gatehouse had made him even stronger. Strands of glowing yellow mold hung in thin ribbons from the ceiling, lighting their way. A short distance ahead, they came to a fork in the tunnel. To the left, the way was open, but to the right, a grid of iron bars blocked their path. Corvin carried Sark over to the bars and set him down gently on the floor. Is this the way we need to go? Sark's eyes welled up with tears as he gave a slow nod. Corvin examined the gate. The hinges were coated in rust, as was the bolt that anchored it to the side of the wall. Corvin tugged on the bolt, but it was stuck fast. Widening his stance, he put his shoulder against it and tried again. He could feel the increased strength of his body. The gatehouse fluid had changed something inside him. Bracing his back against the wall, he pushed hard, and with a grinding screech, the metal retreated from its niche in the rock. Corvin pulled on the gate, and it groaned open. He turned around to find Sark standing on shaky legs behind him. Are you okay? Should I carry you? Sark shook his head as he stumbled under Corvin's arm and through the gate. A light above him flickered to life and then pulsed steadily. Corvin turned back and grabbed the gate. We need to get out of here. We've set off an alarm. He jumped back through the gate and turned around to help Sark through, but Sark was already held between two armed men. One was pointing a long sword at the lizard, and the other had his crossbow trained on Corvin. All four stood motionless for a long moment before Sark slowly slumped to the ground. The soldier near him sheathed his sword, bent down to tie Sark up with a thin rope, then slung him over his shoulder. They moved together into an intersection with a larger tunnel, and the two men flanked him to move him along. No one spoke, but Corvin's mind was working furiously to grasp what had just happened. The man carrying Sark was not Rakash, and yet he lived in the Rakash nest. That could only mean these people must be working with the master of the gatehouse, and he didn't want to be taken back to that place. The men escorted him up a steep set of stairs and into a wider hallway. Lights on the arched ceiling overhead were reflected in the polished marble tiles on the floor. 
They approached a set of double doors and the two soldiers standing guard swung the doors open. Corvin squinted against the strong blue light. He was at the top of stairs into yet another library building with faces and pictures painted on the ceiling. In the past, these paintings had suffered the same smoke-covered fate as Kadir, but a tall scaffold on the side of the room held cleaners working to restore the artwork. As he was ushered down the staircase, Corvin caught sight of other people in rooms that had been created along one side of the library with temporary fabric walls. A woman pushed through one of the curtains at the foot of the stairs. Glancing up, she caught Corvin's eyes and gave him a warm smile before crossing to the center of the room where a pool of blue light sparkled inside a short, round wall. She adjusted a long vine that trailed into the pool and a lumion sprang to life in the room she had just come from as if she'd just plugged in an extension cord. If that was the pool of elixir that was used for the rakash, these people were also using it to power their headquarters. Near the pool, just as in the Kadir library, was a large round table flanked by four statues gazing up at the paintings on the ceiling above them. His captors led him to the table. One pointed to a chair on the far side and Corvin sat down. The soldier pulled out a thin rope and lashed Corvin's feet to the chair's legs. Sark was laid on the table where he curled up into a tight ball with his spines facing out. Only the sporadic rise and fall of his ribcage showed that he was still alive. Corvin glanced at the pool. The powerful blue light leapt out like a spotlight to the faces painting above, making them look almost alive as they stared down at him. If he could get some of that liquid to Sark, his friend could be healed before he faded away completely. Brisk footsteps approached from behind him and Corvin sat back against the chair. A tall, muscular man circled the table. His pale skin and silver-blonde hair stood out in sharp contrast to his deep blue robe. His face was stern, and the deep wrinkles around his eyes suggested an underlying kindness. The man sat across from him, and Corvin had the odd thought he was about to play Scrabble with his mother instead of being interrogated by the leader of the Rakash. Release him, the man said. The soft command sent a wave of relief through Corvin. He does not need to be bound. One of the guards stepped in close and Corvin waited, expecting the rope around his ankles to be untied. But it wasn't. Instead, the guard leaned over the table and removed the rope that bound Sarek. The lizard stood shakily to his feet and bowed to the pale man on the other side of the table. The man nodded. Welcome back, Sarek. I am grateful that you have honored our agreement and have brought Corvin to us.